Well, listen, let's read from 1 Samuel 16 and verse 1. I've just got one scripture, then I'm going to launch off with some thoughts. Now the Lord said unto Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, seeing as I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill your home with oil and go. I am sending you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided myself a king amongst his son. Now the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, seeing as I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill your home with oil and go. I'm sending you to Jesse the Bethlehemite's house, for I provided myself a king amongst his son. Let's pray. Father, we love you. God, we honor you. God, you're amazing. All the great things you've done in our world, Lord, we are eternally thankful. We give you praise in this cinema. In this place, Father God, and uh, I just pray that you'd anoint these lips of clay to propel the truth of your word this morning, Father, that, that hearts might be changed and minds might be changed in Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Well, here we've, we've got one of the greatest prophets on the face of the earth in a bit of a quandary. He's, he's stuck um, in, in a cul-de-sac in his life. Uh, you know, the Bible says of Samuel that, that not one of his words fell to the ground. So he's a pretty important guy, and God, God seems to think quite highly of this, this gentleman as well. Could you imagine having that kind of power in your mouth where not one of your words fell to the ground without being used of God and undergirded by the Holy Spirit and made to manifest? Hallelujah. That is, that's a pretty incredible power to have in your mouth. Um, let me just give you a little bit of background about this guy called Samuel, and then we'll, we'll unlock some of the thoughts that I've got in this passage of Scripture. But Samuel was born to a, uh, a mother called Hannah, who was married to a guy called Yo, 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 Elkanah. <laughs> Hannah, Elkanah, Yo, Yo. Could get a rap started with that, couldn't you? But um, Hannah was married to Elkanah, and, and Elkanah had another wife called Penina. Interesting names, Penina, Panini. Oh, hallelujah! It's a few out there, isn't there? We'll get a coffee and a Panina, a Panini, later. <laughs> but anyway, so th this this household is an interesting household because here we've got Panina having children like popcorn, and she's got no problems conceiving. But Hannah was barren, and. Hannah desperately wanted to have children. It's amazing how God will put you in certain circumstances to provoke you and to, to get you in a position where, where that which is a good idea becomes a deep desire. You see, Hannah wanted to have kids just like Panina, who was having them like popcorn, just like I said. But she's around this place of fruitfulness and she's seemingly barren. So she's, she's in this household and... She takes her deep desire now to have a child to God. And she goes to the house of God and she prays. And the, the, the Bible tells us, if you look at the scriptures, that, that um, there was a guy called Eli serving in the temple at the time. And Hannah went to pray for a child because she desperately wanted a kid. And she's praying in the temple and this guy, Eli, the prophet, thought she was drunk. That's how desperate she looked. Hallelujah. Kind of like some of you were on a Saturday night uh, a few years back. Hallelujah. <laughs> but you were really drunk. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank God those days are over. 
But um, so she's praying and Eli comes and speaks to her and says, hey, lady, are you drunk in the house of God? She says, no, I'm a desperate woman. And he said, well, what do you need? And she said, I, I want a kid. And if, if, if the Lord gives me a child, I will give him to serve in the house or in the temple all the days of his life. And Eli said to her, you're going to have what you prayed for. So obviously she went home and she lay with her husband. I love how the Bible puts it. She lay with her husband so beautifully. And um, they conceived of a child. And they had a son. And his name was Samuel, this man in this scripture. And he, he did grow up in the house of God. And Samuel became one of the greatest prophets that Israel had ever seen and probably is still ever seen to this day. Um, now, now, Samuel was responsible for empowering a king called Saul. And Saul was a disobedient king. He did not follow the instructions of God through the mouth of the prophet Samuel. And God judged Saul. Saul was also a very critical and jealous man of the future king announced in this passage of scripture. Um, the future king is David. But Samuel doesn't know about David yet, but he's being sent towards David to anoint a future king. Now, let's get down to this scripture. The Lord has to break in to Samuel's world and say, Hey, Samuel, how long will you mourn over Saul, seeing as I have rejected him? Fill your horn with oil and go. I'm going to send you to a future king. How long are you going to stay put in this situation, seeing as the past is over and I've already turned the page to a new future? God sometimes has to break into our world, does he not? And speak to us in order to get us moving again. I don't doubt that Samuel felt very, very responsible for empowering Saul to be king. God spoke to Samuel as well through a series of circumstances whereby Samuel anointed the old king Saul to be Israel's king and he failed. And some, it's, it's, it's difficult sometimes when you empower people or give them an opportunity whether it be your kids or whether it be your friends or whether it be someone uh, that you do business with or someone you do ministry with, it's heart-wrenching sometimes when you give people an opportunity and they fail before your eyes. It does something to you. Even if God said to position them, you feel somewhat responsible, don't you? And uh, the people look at you and know that you're responsible for positioning them as well. So you feel somewhat of a sting in your life for empowering them. That's the kind of position that this prophet Samuel is in at that time. He's in a dilemma. He can't see the future, but he can see the past. And maybe you're caught in a place, person at the back, person in the middle, old person, young person. Maybe you're in a position today where you've been hurt or something has gone wrong. But just because you're hurt and something has gone wrong does not mean that God doesn't have a bright future for you. I believe that God, the Holy Spirit, wants to come to your seat this morning, 
sit up next to you and just say, hey, how long are you going to mourn over what did happen when I've already moved on to what will happen? How long are you going to stay looking at through the rear vision mirror of your experience at the past when I've got a brand new road for you to drive upon that's full of hope, that's full of promise, that's full of relationship, that's full of opportunity, that's full of open doors. How long are you going to stay stuck looking at the past? God had to... Now, if it can happen to one of the greatest prophets in the world of his generation, it can happen to you and me. If he can get stuck, we can get stuck. Amen? So God has to have a conversation with him. And God says these words, and I want you to write this down or mark this or remember it, because this will change your life, what I'm just about to say now. God said to him, I've rejected Saul. And I want to say to you that your rejection is your direction. You being rejected has, 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 um, has something to do with a redirection in your life. You know, when Jesus was rejected from Nazareth because of familiarity, it just redirected him down the road where great miracles broke out. God had to break in and say to Samuel, I've rejected Saul. So now I'm going to redirect you and point you somewhere else. I believe, Jared, so often we start to fight those that are rejecting us or an old, uh, an old season that has rejected us. Uh, and we start to uh, um, fight the wave against us instead of riding the wave. Amen. My counsel to you, and I believe God's counsel to you through this scripture, is don't fight rejection. Flow with it. Because your rejection is your redirection for your life. Samuel did, uh, we don't read here that he fought God on this. He listened to God and he just flowed in a new direction. That's a word for somebody this morning. Now, in order for Samuel to get moving, God counseled him to fill his horn with oil and go. Now the horn represented the strength, the strength of the ram, the strength of the animal that it came from. The horn represents its power and its glory and its strength. So God says, fill the horn, fill yourself with strength, a new uh, re refreshing of strength, fill yourself with new strength and go and fill the horn with oil, sorry, and go. So I want you to fill yourself with strength. I want you to fill yourself with a new power. Uh, and I want you to be refreshed in my presence so that you can be redirected to go and get moving. Everybody say go. 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 Say go. go. God wants you to go again. But he doesn't want you to go in your strength. God wants you to go in his strength, not by might, nor by power, but by the spirit, saith the Lord. Sometimes we need to go to God to get new strength. Amen? Well, not sometimes, every day. As soon as you wake, first thing you should do is ask God for new strength, for a special touch from His presence. You should ask Him for favor. You should pray your way through the day so that you don't rely on the arm of the flesh to do what only God can do in your life. Hallelujah. 
So Samuel gets moving in a new strength and a new vitality given from God. He's recommissioned. He's pointed in the right direction now. No doubt something is quickened in his heart. He feels alive again. He feels like purpose has kicked into his life. Hallelujah. Some people run along in life and they have no direction. They have a lack of purpose. But, well, I mean, I believe we need to go to God and get, get ourselves uh, a new purpose and, and get recommissioned again and start to find out why we're put on the planet and, and for what reason we were born. Amen. When I bumped into Jesus, I found out why I was born. I found out why I was given a singing voice, why I was given a musical gift, why I was given, you know, a, a gift of communication to speak to people and talk the leg off a chair. Uh, it was because God was going to use that. Now, I was using it in all the wrong ways, but when I met Jesus, I found my purpose. Amen. And I believe that people are going to find a deeper sense of purpose through this message today. Amen. Here we see that Samuel goes to Bethlehem where Jesse, David's father, lived. Now, Jesse... So now uh, Samuel had to go under the guise of a secret, really, and say that he was coming to sacrifice before the Lord so that the, so that the old king Saul wouldn't kill him. Because if Saul found out that Samuel was going to appoint and anoint a new king, Samuel would have lost his life. Amen. So Samuel pretends to go and sacrifice. Sometimes God will send you undercover, man, to get done what he needs to get done. He'll keep you hushed. He'll keep it quiet. He'll keep it secret, just like the spies that, 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 that spied out the land on behalf of Israel. Some came back with a bad report. Others came back with a good report. Sometimes God will send you undercover. Hallelujah. To get done what he needs to get done. That's the way Samuel went in. And he goes to Jesse's house, recommissioned now, not stuck anymore. He's, he's rejected the old and he's now moving on with the future. And he comes to Bethlehem and he knocks on the door of, of Jesse's house. He meets Jesse and Jesse opens up the door and says these words, have you come here to bless me or curse me? Because I know whatever comes out of your mouth is going to come to pass. <laughs> Hallelujah. And Jesse says, I'm here to bless you. He said, get me all your sons. And Jesse, we know the story, only got seven of his sons instead of eight. He left David out with the sheep, tending to the flock. He forgot about the youngest, and Jesse got the seven older sons, and he brought them before the prophet Samuel, that Samuel might have a conversation with the future king to anoint him and appoint him. Remember, a conversation can change history. Just one conversation, just one chance encounter can absolutely change the trajectory of your life. It has happened in my life. Can I explain one story where, where, where my life was absolutely transformed and changed? Um, I was 13 years of age and I'm living in Tasmania, Australia, which is a long swim from here, I can tell you. And... Um, one Saturday afternoon, I'm on the way to my grandma's house. <coughs> Loved my grandma. She could cook, man. And uh, I'm on the way to Gran's house, and I'm walking down the, the, the train tracks there, Lucy. And uh, all of a sudden, out of my periphery vision, I see this young girl 
walking towards me that I used to sing at school with. She was a year up on me and she was beautiful. And then she's walking towards me and I'm thinking, she's walking towards me. And I'm 13 years of age, so my voice hadn't broken yet. And uh, she's walking towards me. She's coming near me. She goes, she goes, Mark. And I go, uh, I go, yeah. So I went, yeah. And, uh, and I go, all rosy cheeks and I, you know, what, how young men are. And uh, she said, have you heard about the talent quest down the road? I said, no, I haven't heard about the talent. And I said, no, I haven't heard about the talent quest down the road. Um, she said, you should put that song in that you've written into the talent quest. It's on tonight. Make sure you go. And I said, yeah, I'll do that. I ran home and I forgot about Nan. Sorry, Nan. And I ran home and I recorded some backing music on a little cassette tape. And uh, I'd actually stolen the, the chords from Lionel Richie. You know, hello, the hello chords. So three chords and that's all the song had. It was quite depressing, but um, anyway. Uh, so I went home and I recorded the backing music and that night, Steve, I went down to this talent quest. And um, I put my song in to the talent quest and I sang my song and I got the encouragement award. All because this little girl had you know, said for me to do this. Got the encouragement award, was then put into the grand final of this talent quest. But all of a sudden, this talent quest became a lot bigger in that one of the producers of a major kids show in Australia called Young Talent Time uh, was going to be one of the judges at the grand final of the talent quest. And I was going to be singing there with 24 other acts. Now, I was act number 25 at the grand final. It was way past my bedtime by the time I sang. I think I got on stage by about 10.30 p.m. I sang Michael Jackson's song called Ben. It's a love song about a rat. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, shataba. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry for all the people that don't speak in the spirit, but there you go. Uh, um, so I sang this song. I did a few moves. You know? Oh, got some Jackson moves, mate. Oh, I'm silly. I'm sorry. Anyway, so I get on and I sing this song in front of 2,000 people, which was like Wembley Stadium to me at the time. And I, I like my hand was shaking and my voice was a bit wobbly as I started, but I won the talent quest. Somebody say amen. <laughs> and I was given 500 bucks. $500 and a new bike. And I had that bike for years. I drove it into the ground. I really did. But how's this? After the talent quest, there's my face on the front cover of the, 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 um, the national newspaper down there. And it was big news down there. And then we get a phone call from the judge who'd been at the talent quest. We want to fly you in to Melbourne to audition for Young Talent Time, which at the time was a massive show in Australia. Iconic show. It had been on, on telly for nearly 20 years and it was, it was watched by over a million people in a, in a country of 20 million people. So one in 20 people watched it. Anyway, and I'd watched it all my life. So we, I fly into Melbourne with my mum get picked up at the airport in a limo. I mean, they, they like really put it on, man. So I'm in the limo, a limo for the first time with my mum. We're wetting ourselves. We're like, whoa, this is a different world. Taken down to head offices at Young Talent Time. And there I meet the creator of the show, Johnny Young. He was like Jesus to me. <laughs> he was. I mean, he was the host of the show. 
And then I meet the director, Ray, uh, Ray Bevan, and say hi to him and a couple of other people were in the room. And they got me to sing for them. And I sang Ben again. Hallelujah. But this time they stopped me halfway through the song and I thought I'd messed up. And they said, Mark, we love you. We want you to be a part of the show. And my mum's like, like, whoa, whoa, this is, you know, and, and I was freaking out. I'm thinking, wow, my life is going to change. We thought they could fly me in, you know, once a week and do the show. But we had to move as a family all the way from Hobart to Melbourne, which was a massive move. My older brother, Brett, my younger sister, Emma, my mum, my dad, uh, my grandma's, my grandma, because she was living with us at the time, and her cat. And uh, we all moved across to Melbourne to give me the chance of a lifetime. I mean, Brett and Emma had to get pulled out of school and we had to start again. My dad had to find new work. You know this, the story when you move. And then after Young Talent Time, I was on that for three and a half years touring and doing massive concerts and stuff in front of 20, 30,000 people and onto the next city and blah, blah, blah. Um, I did the show called Neighbours for a couple of years and I auditioned for that and I got on the show which brought me to England and then I, uh, I did Panto over here, signed a record deal with BMG RCA Records, worked with Simon Cowell to, to, to take that and Sonia and Chesney Hawks and did the, did the Philip Schofield road shows and Radio 1 road shows and all that kind of stuff back in the 1930s. Um, <laughs> but I say all that to say this. That happened because of one chance encounter with a young girl on a train track in good old Tasmania that absolutely changed the trajectory of my life. Samuel is in the room. David's not there yet, but his life is just about to change. You're next, David. You're next, Mark, in terms of what happened to me all those years ago. David's not even there yet. And Samuel looks at all these men and the Lord says to him, do not look at their physical appearance. Um, for I don't see as man sees. I look upon the heart. And the Spirit of God said unto Samuel, he said, don't anoint any of these. He did not feel a release in the Spirit to anoint and appoint, commission the next king. And he said to Jesse, Samuel said to Jesse, have you got any more sons? He said, yes, I do. He's out keeping the sheep. He said, bring him here to me now. Goes to get David. As soon as David walked through the door, it was like the future had arrived. Yeah. Hallelujah. Sometimes God will cause a collision of destiny to happen where your future arrives. Just like when my wife saw me, she thought I was so handsome. And she, Sorry. No. Um, <laughs> When I saw her, I was like, loud. <laughs> Got my American accent on, man. Like, whoa. <laughs> Get the hanky out. Oh, I'm silly, aren't I? I don't know. It's been a long weekend. So David walks through the, the, the door. The Bible says that he's ruddy, that he's handsome. Maybe smells like sheep poo. But, but there he is. The future is in the rooms. Not how you look, people. It's what you carry. It's what's attached to your destiny. Amen. You know, David's brothers, they looked the part, but they weren't the part. Amen. God looks at your heart today. Hallelujah. The other things are out of question. It doesn't matter to God. He wants your heart. If he can get your heart, then he can get everything else and he can raise you up 
to shake nations in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. David walks through the door. And then um, Samuel anoints him in the company of his brothers. And then David becomes set apart from that day forth. Now David went back to the sheep, yes, but, but he went through a series of circumstances over the course of years where God raised him up to be one of the greatest kings that's ever walked the face of the earth. I want to finish by saying a couple of things now. Samuel acted as a bridge to David. God acted as a bridge to Samuel to take Samuel out of one season into another season. Samuel was acting as a bridge to David to bring him into another season. Moses acted as a bridge to bring Israel out of Egypt. Joshua was a bridge for people, the people of Israel to go into their promised land. Uh, Boaz was a, a bridge for Ruth, that Ruth might become the owner and not just the gleaner of, of wheat, but the owner of the land in which she worked. Boaz was that bridge or open door for her to come through. God has got bridges for you and God has got bridges for me. That young girl with those chance few words was a bridge over the waters that took me 12,000 miles from where I stood in that conversation. God will use the smallest things to get you where you need to be. And I'm here to prophesy unto you today by the Spirit of God. I'm here to say that you are next. I'm not quite sure when or how or who, but God knows those things. And God holds all your days in store. The best is yet to come. God will work all things together for good to get you where you need to be, with whom you need to be doing with it with, so that you can flow in freedom and liberty, so that you can be effective, so that you can be blessed, so that you can be happy, so that you can be powerful, so that you won't have to stay in sorrow. God doesn't want you in sorrow. God wants you flowing in your future in a spirit of joy. For where the joy of the Lord is, there is your strength. God wants to find you to find new strength today. And He wants you to find courage and to be encouraged by this word this morning to say that you are next. I don't doubt it. I know my God. You know Him too. If you've known Him for a while, you know what He's like. He can change the game. He can make a way where there seems no way. Where you can't see a way, He'll make a way. In Jesus' name. Somebody shout amen and amen.